Welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. This series will question the assumption that people are psychologically broken and need to be fixed. We will talk about how seeing people as innately healthy will change all of your interactions and outcomes. This is a true paradigm shift, and it simplifies the entire process of dealing with mental distress and allows for more profound and immediate changes. Aloha, and welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards, a podcast where we kind of take on a little bit of the thinking in psychology and hope that we can help people to see that maybe there's a different way of looking at the same thing that produces a more positive outcome in both helping people and in the stress of the provider. So I'm here today with my bestest friend and my colleague and partner in crime, Judy Sedgman. And today we're going to talk about something that's uh, we feel is pretty different because what we're doing when we're helping people is we're really interested in changing the feeling state that the person lives in and helping them to understand how to maintain that in their life. So we are not as interested, as we've said in previous podcasts, in changing the content of people's thoughts or changing their behaviors, because we find that when their state of mind changes, all of that changes without effort. So we're really looking for people to kind of wake up to the fact that they are innately mentally healthy which means they would be living in a beautiful feeling. So mental well-being is really feeling naturally calm, not needing to meditate to be calm, not needing to do yoga to be calm, but to live in a natural state of calm and positive feelings, seeing the beauty in life, seeing possibilities, being able to be responsible so you're taking care of business in your life, you're responding to life in a way that's healthy and positive. So when we're talking to a client about a problem or something that's going on in their life, we're looking for them to change that feeling state because they get an insight into how their thinking is tricking them in the moment to create an experience that they don't want to live in. So that's a little different than helping people to change their thinking so that they can handle a problem better or change their behavior so they don't have like an addiction. But it's really helping people to live in a, in a state of mind that's quiet, loving, peaceful, joyful, uh, appropriate, You know, like sometimes you're in a good state of mind, but you're taking care of business, but you're not stressed. You're not going a million miles an hour. Your mind isn't busy all the time. You're focused in the present moment. You have good connections with people as a result of that. And the feeling that you're in is kind of magical. So the more we try to draw that out of clients and try to help them to see that that's already in them. They don't have to change their thinking to be in that feeling. They just have to go directly to that feeling. Then what happens is, is that we're helping people to do a shortcut. 
you know, so you don't have to analyze every thought you ever had or talk about every, you know, bad trauma that you ever had or go through all that in order to, to get to it because you know it's already in you. I think that's the primary difference um, in our work is we really do know for sure that that feeling is in people. We're born with it. And I mean, actually, you can just look at babies and see it. And, you know, they just they don't stay upset for long. You know, if they get a little bit cranky, then somebody sues them. They're over it just like that. Then they don't like call six friends and ruminate about it. So, you know, people are, we're kind of born to thrive and survive, to get over things, to come back to our natural, nice feeling state, our natural state of curiosity and well-being. And we think our way out of it because we can, because we're thinking beings and we can, we have the free will to do whatever we want to once we start thinking with the thoughts that we create. But I've never yet had a client that couldn't relate to the idea that yeah, when I least expect it, or when I'm not looking for it, I usually feel better. It's when I'm trying to feel better that I don't. When I'm trying to figure out what's going wrong with me, or when I'm trying to, you know, get diagnosed and find out, you know, what kind of medicine I'm supposed to be on. And every client, you know, when if you if you investigate it, has moments. Uh, even clients who say they've been depressed for years, you'll say, "You mean you never, ever, ever, not even once." you know, felt lighthearted or, and usually they'll say, well, yeah, I mean, once in a while, but it's like, didn't count. But it comes to us naturally when we're not looking for it and we're not struggling to get it. And I think that's missing in general human understanding. People don't realize that's a huge power that we have as human beings to kind of come back to uh, our natural state of well-being and optimism and high spirits. So um, I've had a client recently who had been anxious for a good part of her life. She was quite, she was older. She was in her seventies and she had been anxious since she was 17 and had her first anxiety attack and had been treated for anxiety for all those years, 17 to 70 something. And so she assumed that she was a broken human being because she'd been treated for anxiety for all those years. And so um, she said, I I don't even know why I'm talking to you because I've talked to so many people and I keep changing medications and everything, but I'm still anxious all the time. So I said, well, it's a habit now. I mean, that's all you know. It's like her anxious thinking has taken over her, you know, her activity And no matter what comes up, she gets anxious about it. She was getting ready to go on a little trip with her husband and they're retired. They have a nice life and they were going to go on a little trip together. And she was, she had just found out about it and she was already anxious about the trip. And I said, where are you going? She said, well, we're going to visit old friends that, you know, that lived about three hours away from them. They were going to drive and they know these people really well and they're going to stay with them. And I'm saying like, what are you anxious about? She said, well, you know, the driver's, Drivers are so unpredictable these days and there's road rage. And there's, she had like from the beginning, they, since they backed out of their driveway in her mind to whenever they got back home, all these terrible things could happen. And this is what, see, I, th- I think she said that, you know, I, no one has ever been able to help me erase all these worrisome thoughts. She used those exact words. Well, you can't erase them, but you can ignore them. And that, and that's 
I mean, it seems so simple as I'm saying those words, but I'm telling you, people don't realize that, that you can just say, what if I have an anxious thought? Let it be. <laughs> yeah, that, that's one of the, the things I think that helped me a lot was that I realized, oh, this is just a thought. It doesn't exist in anybody else's mind. It isn't the truth according to God. It is just a thought I'm having, and I just thought it. And I can stop thinking it, you know, it's like, that's that freedom. I was, I I was just talking to a client as well. And she has, she said, but she said, Chris, I never get out of that thinking. And I said, well, I said, it's kind of like um, when, you know, you get in an airplane and basically there's a big computer that runs the airplane. So the pilots do very little to, to take off and land and, The computer runs the, I mean, just think of all the stuff they'd have to be paying attention to. So these computers come in and they run these planes and um, the pilot is there because something could go wrong. And then the human has to take over to make changes because the the machine is just programmed to to think a certain way, right? And so the, the pilot has to take over. And so I told her, I said, now that's the problem. You're... Computer is generating lots of thought. You're generating lots of thoughts. It's a constant flow of thoughts. They're all negative. They're all insecure. And they're making you feel like crap. I said, now you got to be the pilot. <laughs> she said, well, I, I don't know how to do that. I said, yeah, I realize that. So that's what we're going to learn is we're going to learn about how the airplane works here so that you can take over when you need to and you can stop it from malfunctioning. Because that's what's happening. And she said, well, I don't even, she, she says, you know, I'm not even sitting in the cockpit. I said, <laughs> I, you're kind of in the back of the plane. I said, so you got to come forward and then you got to sit down. You got to learn. You got to be open. You got to pay attention. You got to listen. And then you'll be able to do something with the thoughts coming in your head. But right now they're coming in your head and you're like listening to them like they're the greatest teacher in the world. Yeah, and there are and and when people get like that, they're so committed to the content of their thoughts because it's, it's frightening them, it's it's upsetting to them, so it's very compelling. You know, we're always much more compelled by negative thoughts uh, because they 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 get our attention, and when it's habitual negative thoughts, you start to think, well, I, you know, I, and a lot of people have the attitude, well, I'm I'm right, you know, other people who think the world is fine, they're just crazy. <laughs> and and it's hard for them to even imagine not being uh, concerned about the things that are going on and, you know, being angry about this or that or being having a cause and getting all freaked out about it. And these are things that we don't need to do with our thinking. We just don't need to. We, um, you know, we're not using our creativity. We're not using our wisdom. We're not using our best common sense to handle things that we're concerned about in life when we're just upset. Just being upset is, you know, may, might cause you to march and make signs and jump up and down and call people and scream and yell, but it's not going to cause you to solve the problem. And the people that come up with solutions are the high-spirited, optimistic people who say there's got to be a way out of this. And I, I always ask my clients, you know, if you were in a movie theater and suddenly somebody said fire 
And the person next to you jumped out of their seat and started jumping up and down going, oh, my God, we're all going to die. Oh, my God, where's the exit? I can't even see the exit sign. I'm already smelling smoke. I'm so scared. Oh, come with me. And you saw two rows down, somebody saying, just let's walk down the steps here. There's an exit right there at the bottom. Who would you follow? And they're going like, well, I wouldn't follow the guy that was jumping up and down. I'm going, well, that's what you're doing to yourself. You're jumping up and down in your own head and going, yeah, follow me, follow me. I'm really pissed off, you know, <laughs> or I'm really scared or I'm really, you know, anxious and upset. And you want to follow your own common sense. You want to follow the voice inside that says, it's okay, you, you know what to do. Here's, here's an answer. And we all have that. We have access to wisdom when we're in a good state of mind. There are a lot of people, aren't there, that try to get a good feeling by changing their thinking right. or trying to, to, trying to manage the amount of thinking they do. Right. So people will go, well, I know I need to quiet down, but I don't know how to do that. Well, already they're trying to think about how to not think. Right. And that's the problem. (laughs) Just adding another layer. (laughs) Yeah. So they don't they get frustrated or they get um, uh, hopeless because, you know, it's like I'm supposed to change my thoughts. So I feel better, but I can't change my thoughts. So how am I going to feel better? And it's helping people to see that their good feeling isn't about their thinking. And so they need to go to that feeling. And when they touch that, they get an insight and they see what they need to do. Now, that's different from traditional psychology. Traditional psychology looks at what people think about, gets them to notice what they think about, and then try to manage those thoughts after they're created. And we're saying, like, don't bother managing them, just let it go. I mean, we do it all the time. You know, it's like you go to, you go to um, your favorite restaurant and you think, oh, I'm going to have a burrito. And then you get there and the fish tacos are on sale with ahi. Like, oh, I'm having fish tacos. That's it. Well, the thought about the burrito just drops away. Yeah. You don't think, oh, gosh, I can't stop thinking about this burrito. <laughs> it just You just let it go. And so we do it all the time. But a lot of times there's certain thoughts that seem to need our attention. They're, they're more seductive that we feel like it's kind of like a sign that there's whatever negative thought we have about ourselves is actually true. And this is the proof of it. Yeah. And the other, the other kind of thinking that's very seductive is worry about people that you care about. And people think it's really, you know, I, I would be irresponsible if I weren't worried about my daughter or if I weren't worried about my husband or if I weren't worried about my parents or whatever. And the fact is, worry is is a state of mind in which you could do nothing but make yourself upset. All you do in worry is you circle and circle and circle in your own mind around the same set of worrisome ideas that you have about what could go wrong. And it, it creates a bad feeling in you, which makes it really even harder for you to be present for the loved one that you're worried about. And um, we, <laughs> we often run into people like that. And I remember um, one client I had who was really, really worried about her uh, son, who was actually had gotten out of drug rehab and was doing well. Uh, but she was worried that he was going to relapse. 
So instead of enjoying his company and and, and, and sort of sharing in his well-being and getting close to him again and bringing him back into the fold in the family, she was watching him like a hawk, you know, for any sign that he might be relapsing. And he couldn't, the pressure, he didn't want to be around her because he could feel that pressure. And she said, see, I'm sure he's relapsing because he doesn't want to come around. You know, his excuse is not to come around. And I said, well, to be honest with you, I wouldn't come around either in the state. <laughs> I said, you know, who wants to be watched like that? Like mm-hmm. somebody that's looking every minute to see, is he making a mistake? Is he going to call his dealer? You know, and she said, well, you know, we went through hell with that boy. And I said, yeah, but he's, he's out of it and you're still in it. Because that's what worry is. It's going over and over the things you've already experienced. So, you know, as much as, uh, as much as this all sounds so simple, for a lot of people, it's new news. And, uh, and she even said to me, she said, well, my other therapist that I used to work with told me that I needed to pay attention because people never get over addiction. Addiction is a disease. Well, you know, that's a whole other topic. But, I, but essentially, I said, look, you know, people get over the desire to do something that they needed to do when they were insecure. And to the degree that you don't feed your son's insecurity and make him feel insecure again, help him to feel insecure again, because his parent, when your parents give up on you, who's left? You know, that's kind of your court of last resort. And uh, the funny thing was that she, she actually had an insight about it. She calmed down and she had the insight that, she, they used to camp. The family used to love camping. And she thought, well, I won't be so worried if we go camping because he won't be anywhere near the city. And, you know, we'll just go have a nice time like we used to have. And she and her husband and her son went camping and they had a wonderful time and they got really close. And she came back from camping and she says, oh, my gosh, I wasted so much time worrying about him. And he's doing so well. <laughs> she hadn't she hadn't looked at that. She hadn't talked to that part of him. We have to that in a sense. We have to do that with ourselves. We we have to reach back to the health that's innate to all of us, that's in ourselves, and talk to that. You know, it's like I, I when I first learned this, I found myself often saying to myself, "Oh, you know better than to take that seriously." You know, it's kind of a little inner dialogue, but it's true. You know, I was I, I would fall back into a habit of something I used to get upset about, and I think, "Oh, come on, no, you know better than that," and. Uh, and I became my own sort of monitor. And that's like flying the plane. That's right. That's right. That's like you can charge when it's starting to go a little off course, you know, and it's not making a self-correction of its own. You know, I just had a client a little earlier today and she was all caught up and she's had a history of kind of screwing up at work and getting fired. And she's, that's happened to her twice, actually. Um, once she wasn't, uh, basically happened twice. And so each time it happens, like became more real to her that she was a screw up. So she was kind of sitting at home and realized she'd made a mistake in her current job. And she started having a panic attack. She's like, I need to talk to you right now. Well, it turned out I lost another client didn't show up. So I said, okay, I got 45 minutes. Let me talk to you. And I had a graduate student with me. And um, after the session, uh, the session went really well. She was crying and she was upset. I'm, and th- I could lose my job over this and da, 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 da. And so as I was talking to her, I said, now, wait a minute. Now, did anybody, has there been any effect of this mistake that you've made? 
No. I said, does anybody even notice that you made the mistake? No. So maybe even it's the same group of people you were supposed to send this email out to is just a double list, right? Could be that. She goes, yeah. I said, so all the information that was on the list, you, people are operating and they're following things and no, there's been no problems from it. She goes, yeah. I said, so the only problem is in your head right now, right? She goes, uh, yeah. I said, okay. <laughs> so like basically uh, there's not a problem here and you got to listen to your wisdom about how to handle it. Maybe you don't even need to acknowledge it. And maybe there's no problem at all because in a year, if this has been going on for a year and nobody's complained and nothing's happened, there's probably, it's probably not real, right? This is your thinking, making up a problem that there isn't one. Well, in in the session, all of a sudden, um, she just suddenly realized that she was, she saw in that moment that she was creating this problem, like nothing had happened. She was just making this drama for herself. And so all of a sudden she, she sat back and she sat up and she was laying in bed when she called, she was crying. She was, you know, very dramatic. And then she went, Oh, Oh yeah, I guess there isn't anything. Right. I said, no. And whatever there is, if something happens, you'll just say, Oh yeah, I went to the wrong list, but big deal. Nothing happened. Right. So if something happened, you should be concerned. Like if all of a sudden all the schools said, oh, we never got any of these emails and we haven't got a COVID uh, protocol to do, blah, blah, blah. Then you might be called on the carpet, but nothing happened. So chances are they got the emails. So you're making this up. And and so afterwards, so she sat up and she started smiling. And and I said, why don't you go do something fun with your wife? Like, you know, go have sex or something, because that's kind of (laughs) Like, we'll have a nice thing. She goes, oh, she'd like that. I said, yeah, it's a good idea. So, you know, it's like you you go and, and do that and you're fine. Yeah, okay. And so I was talking to my student afterwards and she goes, oh, this is so different from traditional counseling. I can't believe it. <laughs> I said, well, now you have to remember, I, I have good rapport with this person. I, I, but I've, I've, I've known her a long time and I have really good rapport with her. So I could be really st- just straight up with her. but. I didn't have much time I had to get her out of that feeling that she was in. And so by doing that, she all of a sudden her feeling state changed and she was fine. Now, if I was a traditional therapist, I might continue talking to her about how awful that could be and what she's going to, what, what plan she's going to have in case she gets fired and like really took thinking seriously rather than seeing that she just got herself in a state. And it, I mean, something might happen later on, but Nothing's happening now. That's just the difference is like as soon as I saw the feeling interchange, right, I stopped talking about it. And yeah. I said, okay, you're going to go. Yeah. And that's the other thing is we trust that when people have an insight that they really see something. You know, you can tell in that moment. It's actually a very spiritual thing when you when you consider it that, you know, we are spiritual beings living in a body and we are the life force, you know, manifested. And that life force is not our enemy. It's our friend. When you think about it, you wouldn't, the life force is not a, not anything but a life giving force. And that's, that's the source of our consciousness, our wisdom, all the, the principle, the principles themselves are our way of describing that. And really what it's saying is if you have faith that life is uh, a gift 
that we've been given that we don't understand why or where or how, how it happened that we happen to come along right now. But when you understand life is a gift, you start to realize I'm, I'm just living out my gift. And my gift is to be able to manage my life. I have the, the gift of thought and the gift of the ability to notice when my thinking is astray because my, my feeling state changes. And when my feeling state changes, I know that I'm using my thinking against myself. I don't even have to look to see what I'm doing. I know that because that's the only way it would, my feeling state would change. And that's a, tough, that's a tough switch too because we're asking our clients to navigate by their feeling state not by the content of their little pea brain that's working away at an old problem. And yet, that's a very natural thing to do. And when they get the insight to see how to do it or to see that it's possible or to see when they've done it before and how it worked out for them, it's, it really is beautiful. It's a beautiful moment. And then helping them to see that that feeling is them. Right. Like that's their natural state of being. And whatever they were thinking about earlier still is still out there. It's like nothing changed. They're just talking in the moment. And they drop into that deeper state of consciousness and they start feeling better and they wake up and they're like different human beings. Now, that's really different. That's, that, that's like a long-term effect of sobriety. You know, like people in the 12-step program will say, like, you get that, like, after you've been around for 20 years, after you've been sober, <laughs> you might find it. But it's in the moment and that's what we do that's different. So we could do this. We might, why don't you do my problems solve with them? We might say all kinds of things, but it's our attempt to try to get them a little bit off their thinking and focused on the feeling. And then as the feeling comes out in them, their thinking changes and they're better. They're good to go. Yeah. And that's why we love our work. Yeah, that's why we love our work. So that wraps up. It's kind of a long episode for you guys today. I hope that you liked it, and we'll see you next week. Yes, and if you wish to join our group, we have uh, groups, and you can find it on our website. We have a Wednesday group and a Thursday group. Psychology has it backwards, the program. You can sign up weekly, and uh, if you uh, need financial assistance to attend, just let us know. Well, take care, everybody. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye. We hope you heard something new and that you will continue to join us to challenge the prevailing thinking about the possibilities for health in everyone. To subscribe to the podcast, visit our website at psychologyhasitbackwards.com 